1: Uh, so, can y'all tell me a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do on the internet? What you think you're doing over there on your fancy website?
2: Fancy website. I mean, it looks very fancy, yeah, but making uh, not as much money as I think people would expect. But yeah, you know, I'm Joseph Cox, one of the co founders of 404 Media, and we wake up and we find crazy articles or investigations to produce what about you emmanuel
0: i'm emmanuel myberg uh i am a co-founder of 44 media uh previously the executive editor at motherboard and matthew's boss now his humble servant um very happy to be here a big fan of
1: uh, matthew's work thank you so much Uh, So y'all are here because you've published some things recently that made me absolutely furious when I saw them Uh, in a, the, the way only a jealous blogger can feel. It's Um, real.
2: That's the real form of jealousy. Yeah.
1: It's so, I was so mad. (laughs) I was so mad when I saw the, the OSINT one specifically, because I saw it and I was like, I should have fucking done that. I'm so mad.
2: Well, we'll get into it, but this was a manual's idea. like, we get on a meeting like we sometimes mm-hmm. do and emmanuel's like here's one idea uh, and i said that's a good one and then i ping some sources and then we got it up like immediately you know
1: yeah the and i think it's very pertinent now especially in the context of like what we've been doing on angry planet lately because it's become very hard when talking about the Israel Hamas war to find like credible information, uh, and listeners, thank you. Some of you who reached out, uh, everyone was very polite actually about a recent episode that we had. Um, there were a couple of things in there that were not exactly, uh, true. Um, I think there was some heated discussion, some people saying some things that I, I think they meant, but were, They were taking some, some, uh, they were taking maybe some, uh, something, some of what governments are saying at first blush, uh, and not doing the follow up. Uh, so I'm going to address some of that a little bit later, uh, listeners. But thinking about that, I was thinking about like how hard it has become with this war specifically just to figure out what the fuck is going on. Um, so we used to have an information space that wasn't great. Uh, on social media, on Twitter specifically, where you had a community of people that used open source intelligence to navigate uh, the front lines of these conflicts uh, and report what was going on um, in places like Bellingcat and um, in other, and like other specific individuals like Caliber Obscura, who you talk about, uh, talk with in one of your pieces on four hundred four did a really good job of kind of parsing through everything that was going on and, and, giving people the truth of the situation as they saw it. Uh, now though on Twitter, um, it is a sea of high follower count, blue check marks with the words, Oh, sent somewhere in their title. Uh, they are rushing to get information out. Sometimes they're posting footage from Arma three, which is like, you know, uh, an old trick. It's a trick as old as the internet at this point, basically Uh, like every major conflict, Arma three footage circulates. But the problem is though, the way the website works now, the algorithm promotes this stuff. um, And the next 20 replies, instead of being something kind of debunking it or making a different claim, it's a bunch of other blue check marks kind of piling on or making memes and jokes. And that's kind of the, the signal to noise ratio is, is out of whack. Um, All that to say, y'all wrote uh, a great blog, the two of you, uh, at 404 about this. Can you tell me about it?
2: Emmanuel, why don't you go ahead? I mean, it was your original very smart idea, and I can jump in after you maybe. So we,
0: I think, to be frank, were caught a little off guard as a new media organization Mm -hmm. about how to cover it. I think, uh, you know, we've only been up since, uh, August, late August. And until now, we've been able to pursue whatever stories we thought were more, most interesting and worth pursuing. And that, uh, really worked well. And our audience really enjoyed it and we really enjoyed it. And I think, you know, um, towards the middle of this week, we had, I had done a story about the war and then i went back to kind of my regular beat reporting as did everyone else but we realized that we had to engage with it for practical reasons for business reasons and then also for public interest reasons um it's just the only thing that is occupying people's minds right now for good reason yeah and and we wanted uh to get into it and i think being um only four reporters and not being on the ground and not being there and not speaking the the languages. I speak Hebrew, but I don't speak Arabic. Um, it just, it's very hard to report on a conflict like this in a way that is responsible. But what we can do is talk about the place we are embedded in and our very familiar with, which is the internet and which is Twitter specifically and other social media platforms. And it gave us an opportunity to talk about something that has been, I think, rising in um, the last year. Matthew, you're you're very familiar with it. I think that this is something that has been kind of boiling since the full-on invasion of Russia into Ukraine and the rise of open source intelligence, not just as a thing for uh, nerdy journalists and people who are um, like conflict analysts and think tanks. And it, it just sort of like a, a, thing that more people are familiar with everyone on the internet is familiar with and more people are participating in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I have been doing it for a long time. It's a very useful tool uh, or it's a very useful uh, method for, for reporting and verifying world events And I just noticed that kind of some of the veteran open source intelligence people were getting pretty mad about some of the other viral open source intelligence accounts and um, not being, I think as blunt as we were in our story, but kind of like hinting like, Hey, I don't know about this. You know what I mean? It's just like, Open source intelligence is great and it's important, but there's a lot of stuff out there that doesn't seem, uh, like good information for people to retweet. Um, and that was kind of the, the idea of, of, of the story and relating that issue specifically to this war. And I think, I mean, and and I think we'll get into why it's such an acute problem in this specific conflict, but it kind of took some of the problems we've seen in the war in Ukraine and made them so much more obvious Mm -hmm. um, that we kind of just had to address the problem, which is it's a, it's a, it's a very popular genre of post and people are engaging with it and people are creating this type of content. It seems first and foremost for engagement and not, for verifying news or claims by various governments. It's just just a game. It kind of turned into a game.
1: Can we talk about what has happened? I mean, obviously, one of the main reasons that this is happening is that Twitter has changed in the past year since Musk took over. Um, So the incentives of the website themselves, which were already not great, uh, have kind of been... Heightened or or accelerated uh, in a way that makes it harder. I think to get to the truth. Can you tell me like what what specifically has changed on the website that has made this kind of engagement so uh, frenzied and popular?
2: Look, there's always been misinformation on Twitter. It sort of ebbs and flows depending on conflict that's at the center of it or as you say certain product changes you know there was misinfo um when russia invaded ukraine what in february 2022 right but what has happened now i think in june was that musk made certain changes to profit monetization and engagement on twitter that At the time, kind of seemed like just stupid little decisions. And now we're seeing like the really serious consequences of them. And specifically, I'm talking about that if you pay to be verified on Twitter, you know, the eight bucks a month or whatever, and you get your blue tick, you can actually get paid out by Twitter for the amount of engagement you get from other verified users. So you'll see people do. Viral tweets, sometimes in the style of like a cringe, like LinkedIn post, something like that, like a a thinkfluencer or whatever they call themselves. Uh, And then all the replies will be from verified people and their replies will be at the top because that's another benefit of being verified. These people get catapulted to the top of, of the replies. Now, you can already see, well, that's going to encourage people to post content that puts engagement basically above anything else because that is how they can potentially get money and we don't know all the ins and outs of how much exactly people are getting paid but you know there were people like tim paul right who tweeted i think screenshots showing that he was making thousands of dollars off it or something i haven't checked in on that sort of ecosystem in a little while but people are making apparently some money from this now take that engagement and profit driven set of motivations and dump it into the Israel-Palestine conflict and it's an absolute mess. You have these people who, as far as I know, are not experts. They're certainly not the trusted series of OSINT specialists that I followed for years and years and years. They've come out of nowhere. They just have a suit and a blue tick and they're doing these really long tweets where it's like, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not reading all of that. But they... Uh, it, look, I can't be in their head, and it would be unfair to say why exactly what they're doing is. I can't say they're just making it up. But I can say that their information is wrong, and it is being, in in some cases, is wrong. And it's being presented as OSINT. And that, that change to, you could potentially get paid out on Twitter, I think is really what makes this wave of misinfo different to what we've had before.
1: Yeah, whenever you add in financial incentive to something, people are going to do it. They're going to push the button, just full stop,
2: right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, you could even trace it back to the sort of clickbait era of journalism, you know? Like, that's kind of past us now. Like, I don't think it's effective. People don't really do it as much. But it's that sort of thing, just being applied here to a new platform and kind of a new medium, I guess.
1: So I really saw this uh, in the wake of the bombing of the hospital. Uh, I think it was particularly bad. Uh, And it seemed to me that we've got this place now on Twitter specifically where um, people have made a decision about what happened there. uh, And then they can find the OSINT account that reflects their belief. And it will have an alter. It will have a picture With graphs, Um, you will get to hear you will get to see a guy say, uh, Well, you know, I have heard what a JDAM sounds like when it's exploding. Uh, So obviously that's what happened here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, And Emmanuel, you said something earlier I wanted to circle back to that there's something about this conflict specifically that has hypercharged all of this. Uh, Can you talk about that? Yeah,
0: I think that everything we just said is true, but the Israel-Palestine conflict has been going on for, I mean, depending on when you want to count, like 70 years, 100 years. And it has always been true before the internet, before uh, open source intelligence, before AI, before all of this stuff, people involved in the conflict directly and people commenting on the conflict cannot agree on basic facts. Like, people cannot agree on a basic timeline, on what specific people did, on the specifics of agreements and who agreed to them or disagreed to them. Um, there is... I will speak only for... Like the Israeli side, because it's the side that I am more familiar with, having grown up there. But it's like, like there's a very intense, very effective um, mythology building apparatus, and you can see that play out, you know, via the official government Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts. Um so I mean that that's basically it and 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 what happens now that open source intelligence is a thing that many people are familiar with is just an extension of that. It's exactly what you said where people have their narrative, people have their ideas about what is happening and why and you can just go to the internet and pull whatever quote unquote evidence fits your version of events. But you don't need the internet for that and you don't need Twitter for that. And you don't need open source intelligence for that. Before all of that, people would just reference different books and different historians and different commentators and different government statements. Um, so we're just seeing more of it faster. And I would say one thing that is new here is that like there's, a, there's like two new tools here at play. One is open source intelligence, which, and they both do the same thing, which is give the claims an aura of credibility and an aura of like a scientific method. Like when you take an image and you mark it up with lines and you reference like specific munitions, it kind of makes it sound like you're doing actual research and you're presenting legitimate evidence. And similarly, when you take a photograph and you enter it into an AI image detecting tool and it spits out a result it makes it seem like a more credible claim because you have used a tool that is doing computer science behind the scenes and it's spitting out a result. And then you can be like, look, the tool
1: said that I am correct. Look at that segue. You've been podcasting. Hell yeah. Look at that. Uh, all right. So the other, another story y- y'all wrote that I wanted to talk about is this AI detection tool. Um, it's called AI or Not. It's from a company called Optic uh it ex- it predates the war obviously um what was the what is the purpose of it and how has it been i don't know if weaponized is the is the right word, but how is it being used now? yeah it's not weaponized is
0: not far off it's definitely deployed to people's you know specific ends um so yeah, I think we're kind of a couple of years into text-to-image AI tools becoming very popular and accessible. Anyone can find some sort of tool on the internet where can they type a prompt and an AI uses that prompt to create an image. And for many, I think, good reasons, people have responded to the proliferation of AI images by creating AI image detecting tools, which also in an automated fashion, you put an image into the tool and it will tell you whether it is generated by ai or a human or what it thinks the likely uh you know whether it's likely to be human or likely to be ai Um, the the, like like a good reason for this to exist for example like one of the uh creators of these uh tools that i talked to said that the purpose of it originally was to help reddit moderators detect ai art so it's like there's all these art subreddits and they were created for humans by humans and people have started creating AI images and putting them into those subreddits. Uh, Matthew, I think you wrote a story about like this AI image that went an art fair, right? And nobody knew that was, it was AI generated. So somebody made a tool where you can like initially like sort through images and be like, is this likely AI or likely human? Um, And then another good reason in theory is, you know, we're talking about this messy information ecosystem. So in theory, it would be useful if you had a tool where you can just, like, give an image to a computer and the computer says whether it's real or not. In reality, however, the way these tools work is very similar to the way that the AI image generating tools work you take a bunch of real images and you take a bunch of AI image, uh, like AI generated images, and you train an AI on both. And it kind of just like, and then you give it a new image and it says like, oh, this looks more like the AI images I've been trained on, or this looks more like the real images that I've been trained on. And, you know, on the high end, like the professional, um, like the 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 very uh good detectors that are licensed to corporations and governments and cost thousands of dollars to access it's not a thing you could just like look up on the internet they have you know like 90% 95% uh accuracy according to the people who make them which is you know 90 to 95 sounds good but that's also plenty of errors um and it also is still automated, right? Like, it just—it it's just comparing one set of images to uh, to another. And it's its not a perfect method.
1: Right, and sometimes the stakes can be a little high on that 10% that it fails on, right? Which is a bit what we've seen uh, in this war. Um, and it seems like both the... One of the things that I think is driving both the OSINT problem and this AI image detection problem and we'll get into a little bit more the specifics of the AI detection here in a second, Um, is this human need for certainty uh, and discomfort with uh, ambiguity or the unknown. Um, We live in this world where we think we can get the facts immediately, and the truth about a war zone and a conflict is that there is a fog of war. Um, It is incredibly hard to know exactly what is going on at any given moment. Um, on the, even if you're on the ground, especially if you're on the ground, right? Uh, and so you may not find out what happened somewhere for weeks, months, years until lots of eyes are on it. The evidence has been poured over um, and gone through by like a series of trained investigators. But the way that the internet works, we want to know exactly what happened immediately um so we can render our judgment calls or whatever we we need to do for ourselves um and that is just simply not the way that the world works uh, as much as we would like to trick ourselves into thinking it is
2: i guess there's a tension there in that you know we we are so used to immediate information uh, and the benefits that I can provide of sharing information, you know, even going back to the Arab Spring that people constantly point to as, you know, this is the moment that social media showed it can really do something positive. And yeah, I think you're, you know, bringing up the the realities around war is, is a very very good one. There was already a fog of war. There's always going to be a fog of war because we're talking about bullets and bombs and and, and kinetic uh events you know you can't like scale up the information side of that just as much as everybody would love to you know just sit down and wait and be comfortable with the fact that you don't know but people of course as you say don't want to do that and you have both
1: sides now generating images to f- generating images audio video to feed into these systems right to kind of propel their own narrative forward um, like Ukraine, I think has been very successful at that uh, since Russia invaded. Like i I see a lot of uh, FPV video of drones dropping, like killing Russian soldiers with the Benny Hill theme song over it. Right. And people with cartoon uh, Shiba Inu dog avatars on Twitter share that shit everywhere. Um, and it becomes very popular and kind of gets worked into the narrative right so i think you you we we also have to be really careful about um sharing and believing information when we want to believe it especially about a war uh because it may not always reflect the grim reality of what's actually happening um and with that in mind can we talk about the specific images that kind of went around and were debunked, not debunked by this AI image detector. Like why did this become a big deal these past few weeks? So how it becomes a big deal,
0: I think begins before the image even appeared. And that begins with the claim from Benjamin Netanyahu, who, um, and from here on out, I reserve, I reserve the right to call him BB because, um, he was my prime minister for 20 years or so. Um, He talked to Joe Biden and he said that Hamas had decapitated 40 babies, which was a statement that Joe Biden repeated and the entire world heard, and some media outlets repeated. And then, understandably, people wanted to verify that claim and they could not. And Israel did not provide any evidence that this has happened. And since then, Joe Biden had. Like, he walked back the statement, and Israel did as well, though not as much. Um, when
1: you say not as much, like, what was their...
0: I think they... So, the IDF, I think, said that they don't have evidence of this happening. We're getting into the into the minutiae here, because I've been following this very cl- closely. But it's like, IDF said, like, actually, there's no evidence of this. We don't have any, like, evidence to support this claim. But then, I think it was the official Israel Twitter account that retweeted... A Jerusalem Post uh, news story that said that they had verified it, but the Jerusalem Post, as far as I have seen so far, has also not produced evidence. Right, so it's like on the one hand you have IDF saying that it's like we don't have any evidence of this, but the official Israeli government account is tweeting is retweeting accounts um, that are saying that it happened. That's kind of why I, I'm I'm saying they're waffling. Um, so like this is this is the environment that we were in. Right? And it's like you have this horrendous claim and then no evidence and people are doubting that the, you know, Israel government is, is is telling the truth. And as a response to that, they tweet out these horrific images of what they say are like there's two images of a burnt corpse of a baby, and then one image of like the bloody corpse of a baby. And at Israel tweeted it, and then the prime minister's account re- uh, tweeted it as well. And as a result of that, Ben Shapiro, who was a conservative Jewish commentator, uh, tweeted it also with the same sentiment, which is like, oh, you doubt us. You doubt that there were war crimes. Like, look at this image. And in response to him, people, people replied to his tweet with screenshots of this tool that you mentioned, AI or not. Which shows that they fed the tool the image, and then the tool says this image is likely to have been produced by AI
1: to qu- to kind of debunk those images as well. And then it ends up as a community note underneath Ben Shapiro's tweet, right?
0: I I, I know that people said that, and I've seen screenshots of that. I wasn't able to verify that independently,
1: but it's it definitely okay. seems that way. Yeah. Um, but we. Don't, but the image is, how shall I phrase this? Uh, it is not AI generated, as best as we can tell.
0: I think the thing that you are being careful there about, which I will, will be as well, is that it is a photograph. I am very confident that it is a photograph. As to when the photograph was taken and what is it of, that I do not know.
1: All right, Angry Planet listeners, we're going to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after this.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
2: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual
1: results may vary.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com newsadfree That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
1: Welcome back, Angry Planet listeners. We're back on with the 404 Media Boys. Can I step back here and ask kind of a meta question that's been running through my head as we have, maybe not a meta question, but it's been running through my head as we have these discussions. Um does it is this we have all these conversations about like were babies beheaded were they killed how much does i mean we know kids were killed right like as best we can tell hamas did kill children in that initial attack right does it matter if they were beheaded or not does it matter if we have photograph photographic evidence or not when we have like I testimony from people, like does that question make sense? like are we equivocating yeah, I mean this is a very
0: difficult <laughs> this is a very difficult question, and i'll I'll, I'll try and engage with it um, It does matter, right It's like facts matter i I wrote this in my story. It's just like our lives are facts right It's like this is what I get paid to do to verify facts that's a big part of my job, so it definitely matters, and you know eventually like the fog of war will dissipate and we will want an account of what happened exactly like every detail of what happened. Right. It's like, and and this is true about everything. It's like nine 11 happens. It's, it's a crazy event. People die. You have to, so many things are happening, but it's like years later, it's like you want to read a 2000 page report about what happened and why, because we need to understand and we need to learn, um, what has happened? If we want to prevent it from happening again, or I don't know, we we, we just history is important, and the, and the facts of history are important. I think I think it is important. Does it help anyone? Big picture to resolve this conflict, or reach a ceasefire, or stop the killing, or um, get closer to a peace deal? If the babies were beheaded or burned alive, or if three thousand people died, or if two thousand people died, or one thousand people, I'm I'm not so sure of that. It's like people have the right to know, and it's totally fine to demand to know, and it's totally fine to be outraged when you are lied to or when you think you are being lied to. Like all of that is very fair. Um. That being said, I personally like this is my opinion. I think that at the moment, there is probably a better way to prioritize what kind of discussions we want to have in order to get to better outcomes. And I don't think that that is one of those discussions, right? It's like the discussions that need to happen, that, that are happening, right? They're happening behind closed doors, but it's like, how do we get aid into Gaza, right? How do we stop the bombing of Gaza? How do we reach some sort of agreement between these two factions so the violence stops and we can like halt the killing and start the rebuilding. And you know what I mean? It's just like, those are the kind of discussions that we need to have. And then eventually we need to have this other discussion as well as part of like, you know, in South Africa, they called it like truth and reconciliation. It's like, it, a- it is actually very important for people to know what happened. Cause if we don't acknowledge what has happened, we can't like heal and, and move on from the trauma of it. And, um, have people feel like they were heard and their experiences are valid and so on and so on.
1: Does that answer your question at all? No, no, it does. I I really want to, I'm glad you got into this with me because we had um, like a former IDF guy on the last episode uh, who repeated the, the beheaded babies thing. It was pretty early in the conversation around it. um, And some audience members got mad, uh, understandably, I think. Um, So, Thank you for kind of walking me through this from that perspective. I think that's my perspective. I'm not speaking for anyone else. Be, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Your, yeah, your your personal perspective, which I, I do think is you know informed and important on this specific issue. Right? Um, you said you'd been following it closely, uh, so I I really appreciate you kind of trying like trying to suss this out with me because uh, I do think it's important. And I don't know. I just like it's so weird right now. Maybe it was just because I wasn't like, it feels like social media was not as active the last time there was a huge conflict between Israel and Palestine. And I'm sure you've got a completely different view. Uh, It it feels extremely heated right now. Um, Tensions are running high. Everyone's emotions are running high, especially the emotions and tensions of people who are not there um and that's a lot of what i see unfortunately and i think that that also doesn't help with the fog of war and with trying to suss out like what's real and what's fake um everyone would rather just go on twitter and find the osent image that reflects what they believe so uh, at least there's telegram
2: (laughs) the harbinger of truth telegram the (laughs) one the one true tome of knowledge is a group of Telegram group chats now.
1: <laughs> Can you, uh, are, are you both on Telegram?
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <But> it- <laughs> Joe jo more than me. Joe more than yeah, me. But yeah, but in a much more, that's where cyber criminals hang out. And I deliberately have not joined the uh, Israel Palestine conflict Telegram groups because it's where exceptionally graphic material is being shared. And you know, mm-hmm. I'm very appreciative of the people, first of all, who are uploading it if they're trying to document the process. And of course, the, OSINT, the legitimate OSINT researchers who do use that. But yeah, it's a bottleneck and a funnel, but I'm not dipping into that yet, you know, because I don't need to see some of this. Horrible, horrible stuff. After covering ISIS on Telegram for years, I think I've seen enough brutality for a little bit. You know, I didn't know you covered Islamic State on Telegram. I don't think I'm- I did a I did a series of stories about ISIS uh, propaganda and especially on like how it was getting on YouTube and that sort of thing. Um, this was back when you know social media platforms still had a massive problem with ISIS propaganda, mm-hmm. and a lot of that did involve going into telegram and seeing the source and you know some very horrible stuff in there which i 'm sure there 's lots of horrible stuff on telegram right now as well there is yeah no it's it
1: 's uh, you can get a much more raw version of events that are happening on the ground on telegram, um, which I think is one of the reasons it has become kind of like a first-order place for a lot of people. A lot of people who do what we do... Um, a lot of people are just reposting things they've seen on Telegram on Twitter, right?
0: I forget who said it. I don't know if I, I really... Maybe you should look it up, but somebody said it very well. He said, all war
1: footage is downstream from Telegram. And I think it was one of the Bellingcat people, but... Higgins, or maybe Eric, who's now at New York Times... Uh, but yeah they've I think they've both kind of ranted recently about how they've seen a lot of war footage that f- they first see on telegram and then like a day or two later ends up on Twitter uh, with either a watermark added or removed um, and then they mm-hmm. don't share the source the, of
2: like which telegram channel they got it from, right? Um, Well, that's also definitely the case in just the piece we were talking about earlier about OSINT and uh, Israel-Palestine was because Caliber Obscura said that as well. The weapons specialist who's also a a long-running OSINT expert, they pointed specifically to how a lot of the stuff on Twitter is material just taken from Telegram, as you say. But he added that, this is a quote, usually without context and usually with their own bias inserted end quote which yeah that's what we're seeing on twitter like people at least you know the blue ticks or whatever uh the the verified users a a lot of them will say you know this is you know the platform of free speech and all that it's like no everything's being put through some sort of like frame here uh you know worse than a lot of places i'm not encouraging people go watch raw war footage on Telegram. I don't think ordinary people necessarily want to do that. But yes, that is where the footage is coming from, especially in this conflict.
1: And it's also important to remember that a lot of Telegram channels, a lot of the big Telegram channels that are sharing information are run by local governments, um, local organizations. Um, It is not as if there is... Uh, I mean, there are journalists on the ground, the ground that are using Telegram, but a lot of the information streams are coming from uh, state sources, you know, on, on both sides of the conflict that are generating this stuff, right? So I think that that's like an important caveat, too. I think my favorite caliber obscure thing I saw in the last couple days, de- uh, last week or two was um, there was a picture of ostensibly like Hamas soldiers with uh, assault rifles, that went around and um, people were retreating it, retweeting it, saying, like, where did they get these M4s from? You know, those are American guns. And he was like, those are not. You guys have no idea what guns those are. Shut the fuck up. Um, idiots. Uh, so, yeah, Calibro Obscure is a really great. Still, still a good Twitter account uh, that is worth following. Learn lots about uh, arms and armaments from them. <laughs>
2: The, one thing I'll just say on that, and this didn't really come into the piece because this, this is more just my personal ob- observation, but I used to get a ton of information from all of these OSINT accounts that I mentioned uh, in the piece, you know, and including Ballon Cat and all that. And it's kind of hard to put my finger on because you can't necessarily point to a specific change beyond the fact that you know musk has now split twitter into a for you stream and the following stream mm-hmm. um you know you, you click between them whatever depends it depends what you're trying to do but i think we probably all agree with this at least anecdotally it's just harder to see the stuff you actually are interested in and want to see and i swear i just don't see the good osin stuff anymore i'm following them i'm sometimes engaging with their posts it doesn't mean i see their actual information. Uh, so hard to put my finger on, but there's like a more subtle change there as well.
1: I think that, uh, no, I think that that is absolutely true. I've noticed that the amount of like weird algorithmically served, like meme channels and like shitpost post channels and just kind of garbage um, engagement farming content that I am served on Twitter uh, is grown exponentially. Like that is definitely what the website wants to show me. Um, it does not want me seeing like what my fault, like what my, what the people I'm following are tweeting about at all, especially if they're not paying for the website. Um, so let, let me ask you this last question. Uh, first of all, where can people go to find more of your work? Um, and second, how do we navigate these spaces now? Like, w- what is the best practice for being online and trying to figure out what the hell's going on?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, look, if you've enjoyed listening to what me and Emmanuel have spoken about, you can certainly go to 404media.co, which is the website where we publish our articles. But I would especially encourage you to actually check out our podcast the very imaginatively named 404 media podcast search that wherever you get podcasts and you know every week we we talk for about 30 to 45 minutes about the stories we've published and that includes a lot of stuff about ai uh conflict crime for me it really depends what happens that week but we actually talk about these specific stories as well so if you want even more specifics go check out that episode as for like how do we navigate this ecosystem? I've been thinking about this a lot and I think we all have at 404 Media because it's part of the reason why we actually quit Vice and made our own um, media company, right? Very small, (laughs) very, very tiny, but our own media company. And the way I would say... The way I would characterize it is that we have all of these fragmented platforms now. Twitter is going down the drain for all the reasons we just explained. Not everybody's on Mastodon. Blue Sky doesn't seem to have enough of the hard-hitting stuff at the moment. Um, Even LinkedIn, like I'm using more, which I don't think I would ever do. And maybe not the solution, but one way we're mitigating it, at least for our readers, is that you come to our website, you give us your email address, and then you know, we will email you when we get a big scoop or when we a new a newsletter roundup, which sounds really stupid, almost like me saying it out loud. Like that's not a new idea. Yes, but like the importance of direct to reader information now has only increased as all these platforms have either gone down in quality or sort of crumbled and everybody's spread out. So I would encourage everybody, you know, find some platforms or rather some outlets uh awesome experts who you trust and maybe just like sign up to them directly you know i know some of these OSINT experts are like on Substack and stuff and you know that platform has its own issues right all of these platforms suck <laughs> in some way or another and we're all just trying to navigate the best and the worst of it but i mean look for me personally it's going back to email where i don't have to like climb through the mud to like find something that's actually useful
1: Manuel Myberg, Joseph Cox, thank you so much for coming on to Angry Planet and walking us through this. <laughs> that's all for this week angry planet listeners as always angry planet is me matthew galt jason fields and kevin odell it's created by myself and jason fields if you like us if you really like us please go to angryplanet.substack.com. kick us nine dollars a month get commercial free versions of the mainline episodes and you get them early and we do have a bonus that's about to come out that'll be nice uh it's all edited i just need to get it out A lot of people have sent really nice uh, messages and really sent very lovely things telling us they appreciate what we do. uh, And it's been a pretty wild month or so, I think, to say the least. Uh, Had some really difficult conversations. uh, And I just really appreciate everyone that's reached out and uh, everyone that's said some pleasant things. Really does help uh, in these dark times. We will be back next week. With another conversation about conflict on an angry planet, stay safe. Until then.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news: ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free, or go to amazon.com/newsadfree.